Good morning, Faith. It's good to be with you. Uh, my name is Eddie Cole, as Pastor Tim said just a few minutes ago. I want to first of all say thank you for what you did serving the community last week. I love, love the video and love what you did, and uh, I know lives were changed as a result of it. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, that's okay. I, I have uh, a relationship with your church leaders, and uh, as a as a matter of fact, I would tell you that I work with about 130 to 140 churches from New York to Virginia, and there's not a church anywhere in that region that I have that I have a more enjoyable relationship working with church leaders than here with your team. Your team has been great with me. Uh, Pastor Joe is a great friend of mine, and uh, it's just been great to be able to do some ministry with you. So the fact that we don't know each other that well, that's okay. Uh, you don't need to know me. I'm here to, to preach about Jesus anyway and not tell you about me. Uh, but I did want to say thank you for releasing your leaders to lead well and to pray for them and in doing that, we get to do ministry better together. I work with the Evangelical Free Church of America, and uh, so we do a lot of stuff, and we do a lot of good partnership together. So thank you for representing us. More importantly, thank you for representing Jesus well last week as you were out in the community. If you've got a Bible, I'd go ahead and invite you to turn over in your Bible to Galatians chapter 4. You can turn it on if you look at it like me, an iPad or a phone, or if you go old school, paper, that's good. You know the difference between an iPad or a phone and the, and the Bible as it is? This just does not have the smell of the Bible in paper, does it? That's the best smell in the world, aside from maybe a baby. A clean baby, that is. <laughs> so that being said, I want to talk to you today about finding freedom. Finding freedom. I hope everyone in here will find freedom, spiritual freedom primarily. I've been reading a book lately called The Emancipation of Robert Sadler. Robert Sadler was a slave. Interestingly, he was born, I think, in about 1910. Think about that for just a minute. We're talking almost five decades after the Emancipation Proclamation. The book that I've been reading was written in 1975. And uh, it tells the story about how he was born and raised in South Carolina on a plantation where he was with several other families, and they lived the life of pre-Civil War slaves, decades after the Civil War had ended and the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed. It's hard to imagine that anybody could have ever done that, but that was the case with them. It's amazing. He was talking about how when he was a, a teenager, he... Uh, one day was in the barn and was really tired of his existence, of course, and uh, decided he was going to go for a walk. And without even consciously deciding that he was going to leave and never come back, he just decided he was going to start walking. So he walks. He walks past the, the big house, which was where they did most of their business. And they walk, he walked past the circular driveway. He walked down the road, he gets to the main highway, there's a sign pointing to Anderson, South Carolina, which is the closest city to where he was. He was talking about how the first uh, couple of hours while he was walking, he was just confident somebody was going to show up and, and discover him and they were going to throw him in a truck or in a car and they were going to take him back where he would be beaten or whipped or even hanged. But he said as he kept walking, fear began to dissipate and he began to realize nobody was going to take him back. And it was, it was a, a really cool part in the book when it says that he hit this one particular ro road and it says, I took a breath and began to walk toward town. 
As I walked, the fear began to leave me. And I had the feeling that I wasn't alone. That there was someone walking aside me, alongside me very closely. So close I could have touched him. Now later on, uh, he actually gives his life to Jesus and he would testify that he knows that God was with him that day. And I believe that with all my heart. But it's amazing to me that somebody could live in a world where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have died. A law had been signed into place. And decades after all that, there's still that kind of slavery. Mind-boggling. True story. Friday night, I was at a Mandisa concert. How many of you have heard of Mandisa? If you ever get the chance to see her live, you got to go. It was absolutely amazing. It was me and about three other men and about 1,500 women. And so I was right at home. And um, so we were there and out in the lobby um, where the concert was taking place, they had all these ministry booths out there. There was one particular ministry where they were selling pocketbooks. And so I had to go buy a couple of pocketbooks. The reason I was buying the pocketbooks was because the ministry takes uh, pocketbooks that ladies donate, most of them used, they clean them, and then they sell them. And all the proceeds that they get from that, they actually use to rehabilitate and do ministry with women who are coming out of sex trafficking. That's happening now. That's not happening decades ago. That's happening now. It's amazing to me that we would live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, and yet while freedom is legal, it's not experienced by everyone. Living in a land of freedom does not assure the experience of freedom. And the reality is, as I'm standing here speaking to you, I've got a good feeling that many of you are living in a land of freedom. You're in a church that would hope to give you freedom, but you're not experiencing freedom. I want you to experience freedom. God, I believe, wants you to experience freedom. Now, not all f types of slavery are, are so dramatic as living on a plantation or sex trafficking. I think the kind that many of us live, live in, the kind of slavery that we live in, is more of a mental or a spiritual or emotional slavery. We, we live under bondage. We're not good enough. We don't measure up. And and there's something, and I think some of you just live under a, a list of religious rules that say do this or don't do that. And you constantly fail, and because of that, you live enslaved to negative emotions because you're not good enough and you don't measure up, not just to God's law, but to your own expectations or someone else's expectations. And I just want you to know this. God has made freedom available. God has freedom available for you and for me. And it's my belief that that's why this letter to the Galatians was written. He's made it very clear. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. The apostle Paul would write to his friends and he, and he says to them, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't go backwards once you've been set free. If freedom has been declared over you, enjoy your freedom. Experience your freedom. Don't ever go back on that. Now, the guy that wrote the letter called Galatians in the New Testament was Paul. Paul was a man. He was a spiritual father. He was a pastor, a missionary. He was a, 
He was, before he met Jesus himself, he was incredibly religious, incredibly devout. He was also uh, a madman in a sense. He was a persecutor. He hated Jesus and those who followed him. He thought they were fools and blasphemers. He wanted to stop all this. He was so committed to the Old Testament law and, and so unbelieving that Jesus was really the Messiah that the Old Testament promised, he just was going to do whatever he could to stop this until one day he met Jesus. Had an awkward moment, obviously, when he first met Jesus. He fell down, couldn't see, and for three days was just left with his thoughts. What in the world does this mean? Well, Jesus took this persecutor and, and made him a preacher. Instead of showing him judgment, he showed him grace. And this Paul ended up being the one that would take the gospel to the, to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people in the Roman Empire in that day. And he's the one that wrote this letter. You see, the Galatians were a group of people who lived in a province. It wasn't a state or a city, it was an area. And there were a bunch of cities and a bunch of villages there that needed to hear about Jesus. And so that's why the, what we call the Apostle Paul, the, the one who saw Jesus and met Jesus, he was there telling them about Jesus and he was telling them what Jesus did. He was telling them the, the teachings of Jesus. And he would do this in town to town, village to village, and he would keep on moving. Well, after he had established some leaders who would take care of the other believers... He would then move on to the next town, but he would never do that without setting leaders in place. So he had done that in Galatia, and now he was moving on. And then a problem comes in, and this problem was a group of preachers. They come in, and they're offering freedom, but in fact, the kind of freedom they're offering is actually delivering slavery. You see, some paths offer freedom, but they deliver slavery. There are many out there. There are were those kinds of people and there were those kinds of promises. They're still around today and there always will be. So the Apostle Paul has to address this problem. And the way that he addresses this problem is he addresses it head on. He gives them a picture. And the passage I want you to look at with me is in Galatians chapter 4. So let's look at this picture that the Apostle Paul gives. And then I want to just show you some, some things that will set your heart free. Now in Galatians 1, he tells them, don't listen to these people. As a matter of fact, the, what they're preaching to you is not just a, an extension of the gospel that I've been preaching. It's a non-gospel. It's a counterfeit. It's a fake. And he says to them, this is so strong. He says, and if I or my team or an, even an angel from heaven come preaching any other gospel to you than that which I've delivered, let them be accursed, anathema. That's what he says about them. This is not something that's trifling. Uh, this is not a small matter. This is a huge matter. He's basically waving his arms at them saying, there's a group of people that are coming there now and they're preaching to you another gospel. They were the Judaizers. The Judaizers had come and they were talking in reference to Jesus. They were saying, oh yeah, he's Messiah. He, he's who Paul said he was. But please know this. Those of you who are Gentiles... If you really want to experience spiritual freedom, salvation, you've got to accept Jesus, but you also have to add to it the Jewish law, which is the Old Testament. Jesus isn't enough. You need to attach yourself to that. 
But if you take Jesus and the Jewish law and you put those two together, then you have hope. Then you have peace. And here's the Apostle Paul saying, absolutely not. That's a, that's a false gospel. It is not Jesus plus anything. Jesus and Jesus alone can save. And he tells them there was value in the, in the law. As a matter of fact, in chapter 3 leading up to this, he says the law was like a guardian that kept them to a certain point. It was, the, the law was there to, to protect, but it was also there to restrict. It wasn't to give you uh, freedom. It was actually there to give you structure. Religious rule keeping does not provide true freedom. That's what he's saying to them. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I mean that the heir, and just so you'll know if we could pause there for just a second, he's referring back into chapter 3 where he's talking about you were a child before, you had a guardian who took care of you until Jesus came. Now that faith has come, the law, the need for the law, the need for that guardian, the need for that babysitter or that, that protector, it's no longer there. You're no longer restricted by that. You, you are a grown-up child. You're an heir. And I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Let's pause right there. What Paul's doing is he's giving them a picture that they're all aware of. The law, he's saying, is a tutor. It's a teacher that teaches trains and guides up until a certain point. He would read, if you were to look in verse 3, he says, when, in the same way, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. The elementary principles of the world. Now, down in verses 8 and 9, he's no longer talking about what the Jews were in verse uh, 3. He's talking about what the Gentiles were in verses 8 and 9. He says, formerly you didn't know God. You were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. In other words, idolatry. You, d you didn't know the, the God of Israel. You didn't know the one true God. But you had made gods, and they're not even gods. And, and they could give nothing back to you. They, were, they promised a lot. They gave nothing. But now that you have come to know God, verse 9, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. What Paul's doing is he's saying elementary principles. Are there any elementary school principles in the room? Just want you to know that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a structure here. It's a system. Some say it's spiritual powers. It's whatever you had in your life that took you up to the point before Jesus stepped in. Wherever you tried to find life, However you tried to get there, however you wanted to experience freedom, whatever that was before Jesus, that was the elementary principle. Don't go back to that. Once you meet Jesus, you have now discovered where true freedom and salvation really lies. So look back with me at verses 1 and 2. Here's the picture Paul is using. In verses 1 and 2, when he says, the heir, as long as he as a child, is no different Though he is the owner of everything, he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the Jewish world, even today, we still have what's called bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs when a child goes into, you know, not just adolescence, but the relationship changes. It's childhood to adulthood. Uh, in the Roman world back then, which is specifically what Paul's writing 
here is he's talking about a ceremony or a celebration, actually, where what's happening is you have children between ages 14 and 17. They're raised by their guardians, their, their teachers, their, their nannies, whatever, in the household, that team, and they're under them. Those people are there to teach, to train, to protect, to guide, to provide, all those things. The, the child of the owner of the home is there under their guidance and protection. But there's a date set that only the father, the, the owner of the home, is going to put into place where they're going to have this ceremony where the, the child is going to be, become an adult, much like in the Jewish world, in the bar mitzvah. And the way that happened is that the child would come in and the, and the child would come in in traditional uh, clothing. And in the middle of this ceremony, they would take the childhood clothing off and they would put the Roman toga on. It was an official ceremony. They celebrated it. And it's when the, it's when the dad said it. Nobody else could, just him. And it was a big deal. It was the first toga party for this teenager. But I want you to understand something. That's what's happening when the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 4.4. Look back at the Bible with me. And he transitions to say, Jesus came to provide freedom. This is the moment that every cha everything changed for the Jews and the Gentiles. This is the moment everything changed for the whole world. And this is really what was on my heart to share with you today. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son, then an heir through God. You see, Jesus came to provide freedom. And the results from Jesus coming to provide freedom are seen in these four verses. Galatians 4, verse 4 through verse 7. People who trust Jesus are redeemed, adopted, close, and secure. Will you say that with me? People who trust in Jesus are redeemed, adopted, close, and secure. Look at the verses with me. When the fullness of time had come. That means the Father set the time, and that means for all of humanity, this is, that, this is that season, this is that moment when we have the exchange. No longer a child, this worked for a season, but now we're about to change everything. And here's what happened and how it happened. Jesus came. Jesus stepped out of eternity. God sent forth his Son and born of woman, he was born under the law. That means he came as a Jew, he was born of the Virgin Mary, and it says that he came to redeem those who were under the law. Now watch this. He came to redeem those. Basically what he's saying is that even for those Jewish people who had lived by the law, they were not finding freedom or peace under the law. As a matter of fact, the law did not commend them and applaud them because they were so good. How many of you have heard of the Ten Commandments? How many of you can say that you've ever broken one? How many can say you've broken most? And none of us can say we have never broken one. Because we all have. But let me add this to it. There are hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament. 
And what was happening in this system, in the Old Testament system, was that when God gave the law, it was for a certain season and it revealed the righteousness of God. But it also showed them, you're not good enough on your own to to actually earn freedom and to earn favor with God because God is perfectly holy and you're not. But God knew that, so he created a system for a certain season to bring them along so that they could have a relationship with God. And it was always by faith. They had the law, the commandments, and then they had the sacrificial system. So God always had a system for them, but they always lived under this sense that I don't measure up. And the reason for that was because they didn't. They were lawbreakers, just like you, just like me. The law didn't tell them how good they were. They lived under the weight of it. They lived with guilt and shame because they were lawbreakers. But Jesus came under that law in order to bring them out from under that guilt. He came to lift the heaviness off of them so that they might go free from living up and under it. Do you understand? How did he do it? He fulfilled it. He lived it perfectly. Just as Adam fell, Jesus fulfilled it. One is representing the unbelief. One's representing belief. And for all who believe, they've had their redemption through Jesus. And Jesus did that not only by living perfectly, but by shedding his blood. The price for our freedom, the price for us to have the law and the weight, the guilt, the shame lifted off of us, please hear me, was the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was shed to pay the penalty for our sin. Nothing else could tell us the love of God any better than that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus left heaven, come to earth in order to set us free, redeemed. No sin held against us. No weight hanging over us. It's been lifted. We've been paid for. We're adopted. Look with me back at the passage. We're not just redeemed so that we can just go free. We're adopted. In other words, I want you to live free, but I also have a a table at my dinner. I have a chair for you at my table. I want you to come and live with me. I want you to dine with me for all eternity. I've got a bedroom in in my home, in my eternal place that I'm creating for you. God has adopted those who place their faith in Jesus. That's what Paul is telling the Galatians. You are adopted. You're not tolerated. He chose you. I have a neighbor who has a a second generation son who was just married yesterday. There's, I think, between 15 and 20 years between the first round of kids and the second one, the one that was married yesterday. Can somebody say oops or uh uh-oh? That is never the case with adoption. Where there's adoption, it's because a parent looked at the plight of a child and said, I want that child. And what Paul is writing here is saying, God wanted you. God wanted to bring you in. He has adopted you. You are close to his heart. He loves you. He has redeemed you. Thirdly, he's close to you. We have his spirit in our hearts crying, Abba, Father. That is great news. Well, if you have been a believer for any time, you know, you've never, I've never seen Jesus with my eyes in a vision or anything. I see him with my imagination when I pray, but I know his spirit's in my heart. He lifts me up when I'm down. He speaks to me. He encourages me. I know the spirit was in these people that Paul taught, and the spirit is in me. He is near. We are close, those who are believers. And finally, we are secure. 
secure. At verse 7, it says that we not only cry, Abba, Father, we are no longer slaves, now we're sons. And that's men and women, by the way. And the reason for that, if you go up in Galatians 3, it explains it better. But the reason for that is real simple. We're sons in the sense that we are heirs. And back then, in those days, uh, that went to the boys, not the girls. But what Paul is saying, there's neither male nor female, nor Jew or Gentile. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are a son and an heir. You're not under anyone or anything, and you're not committed to a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't live under all that when God has called you to live above it. When God has called you to freedom, don't ever submit yourself to slavery. Do's and don'ts and guilt and shame is not for the child of God when God has gone to the extent that he's gone to to make us free. And that is why Jesus came. Ladies and gentlemen, experience your freedom. That's the message Jesus has for us today. Experience your freedom. Let the chains fall. Walk free and enjoy your relationship with him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I hope right now you will know that it is through faith in Christ that you can experience and receive freedom. It's not through religion. Religion doesn't save. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not church. But if you open your heart, confess Christ as Lord, and place your faith in him, salvation is yours. And if you're a believer, enjoy your freedom. Experience it. Go deep in that relationship with Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, as we transition toward the Lord's Supper, I pray that everyone in here would experience your freedom, that they would, everyone, thank you for the price paid, for the adoption given, for the freedom that we have offered to us today through Jesus. And I pray it in his holy name. Amen.